The unsurpassed, penetrating, and perfect truth is seldom met with, even in a hundred thousand myriad kalpas. Now we can see and hear it. We can remember and accept it. I vow to make the Buddha's truth one with myself. Homage to the Buddha, homage to the Dharma, homage to the Sangha. I'm going to offer a talk on just having faith. And this is as much for my own training as it is for anybody else's. Here's a poem, a haiku poem by Kobayashi Issa, who was a Japanese Buddhist Jodo Shinshu priest in the 17, early 19th centuries, early 18th century, 19th century. And here it goes. There's one translation. Just have faith. Do not the blossoms scatter? Even so. You can say a lot in a few words, can't you? Here's another translation. The above one is one that I received years ago. Live in simple faith. Just as this trusting cherry flowers, fades, and falls. A little more literal translation, perhaps. This poem with the first translation was uh, given to me, it was quoted on a card given to me by a fellow monk many years ago, and for some reason has been coming to mind again often lately. Usually these things come up when you need them. And, uh, and has been a very helpful reminder to go again to the source of my practice, that place which isn't a fixed place of letting go into spaciousness beyond the constrictions of the small self and all its concerns. Older age, how I feel, having a lot to do, things often not working out as we'd hoped, beyond the world and all its worries, this space that's sometimes called emptiness or shunyata or the immaculacy of nothingness as Reverend Master Jiu used to refer to it. An open place of refuge and peace. So this expression of just having faith sounds simple. You know, it's doable. It's the willingness to practice letting go as conditions ripen. Now as the air grows cold, the seasons change, elections coming up, all kinds of things in turmoil in the world. It shows us something of what is meant by faith in Buddhism. Perhaps we can allow the trees to teach us something about faith as they drop their leaves and the wind blows the pine needles hither and yon, especially if we've, we've just been working very hard at raking them all away from our buildings for fire prevention and getting it all perfect for our insurance company to assess. There you go. There's an example right there of letting go. We try to get things as tidy and perfect in our lives as we can, and the wind comes in to remind us of the flow of anicca, of impermanence, and of what really matters. 
Most of our best laid plans continually have to be let go of. And then what is really needed and what really works continues to be possible. The possible is always possible. That's been a mantra for me on occasion because, you know, it's practical, it works. The uh, World Federation of Buddhists has a motto, um, sort of a global Buddhist association, I think as they phrase it, um, is expect the worst, uh, prepare, well, I, I usually say hope for the best, I think they say, that's right, hope for the best, Expect the worst and do the possible. (laughs) I would say, um, hope for the best, prepare for the worst, and do the possible. Very practical, very Buddhist. So we do our best, we let go of clinging to our preferences, and settle into the great matter. The heart of great compassion, which is actually vital and flowing. It's not a static thing. There is an unborn, uncreated, unconditioned, indestructible, even as the seasons change, even as the governments change, even as all, everything changes, as we get older, as we become ill, etc. What do we mean then by having faith in Buddhism? Or having faith, what do Buddhists mean by that? Classically, a Buddhist has faith in the Buddha's enlightenment. We entrust ourselves to that which has poured forth from it over the centuries and which we bring life to even now through our practice for the benefit of ourselves and all things and beings. So having faith means cultivating trust and confidence in the Buddha's the Buddha's enlightenment, in our own innate awakenedness, whether we understand with our heads what that means or not doesn't actually matter. As the Buddha taught and teaches, we all ultimately share in this enlightenment. We're one within it at heart. And we all have the potential for fully realizing it eventually. And as great Master Dogen said, and many centuries later in his Rules for Meditation, you can possess the authority of Buddha. And we recite that regularly, so hopefully that's penetrating. (laughs) So having faith goes beyond a belief in a set of values or in a creed. It is, of course, a practice and a taking refuge. It's a matter of the heart-mind in capital capital H and capital M there. And it's always evolving. We have faith in the teachings of the Buddha and faith will require us to always let go of and deepen our understanding. This doesn't mean that we're always wrong, which can, it can be interpreted that way. That doesn't work. It means that we're growing in experience of reality, and I mean reality with a a capital R, the seeing things as they really are, and a growing into the lightness of being, an expression that I again heard on a Dharma talk from Reverend Master Hario, 
recently, a talk that he gave some years ago, something that I aspire to, hopefully we all aspire to, the lightness of being. So we carry less karmic baggage and our being our being is more available for the good in whatever way is possible. I'll read you a little quote here from a, um, a writing that I think you've heard us quote from a lot. It was one of our favorites, of course, one of the uh, writings that's important to our Soto Zen tradition. Um, and yet it's, it bears repeating, I think. So from the... Um, that which is engraved upon the heart that trusts to the eternal. An example, perhaps, of that points to how to have faith. Great Master Kanchi Sosan says, The way to the ultimate is not hard. Simply give up picking and choosing. Just by not giving in to hatred and craving will your heart and mind be as clear and bright as the realm beyond the opposites. Let but a hair's breadth of discriminatory thought arise, and you have made heaven and earth strangers to each other. And of course you'll experience dis-ease of the heart. Sounds simple, not so easy, but very doable. Very straightforward. Later, later on in this writing, he says, he goes on to say, If you do not view things in such terms as crude, in quotes, or as refined, in quotes, you will not be a companion to biases. The great way is broad, being neither easy nor difficult to traverse. But if you are limited by your opinions, wary or filled with doubts, the faster you hurry about, the more you slow yourself down. This was written in the uh, many, many centuries ago, and it sounds awfully familiar, doesn't it? The faster you hurry about, the more you slow yourself down. If you try to grab hold of it, you will lose the measure of it. As your mind enters convoluted and perverse pathways, if you let it be free to be what it will, then you will experience neither change nor permanency, and so on. So he talks about entrusting ourselves to our original nature. Of course we make plans, of course we have our hopes and dreams, but the practice of faith is one that trusts that Exactly the way we think about them isn't always necessarily the best way. And, and it's fine to just let go of the um, external aspects of it, the surface of it. So whatever the outcome of elections, whatever is going on in the world, whether things are going the way we'd like them to go or not, this practice of faith is possible. Putting one foot in front of the other, really. I often think when I teach meditation instruction, um, I often tell people that just sitting and facing a wall is an act of faith. We don't think of it that way. They say that, uh, I think it was Great Master um, 
Kohozenji, Reverend Master Jiu's teacher, as you may, many of you may have heard, taught Reverend Master that um, Zen practitioners, and you know, they're going into a tunnel through a mountain, and they go in one side, perhaps through reason and through sitting, and um, and then those of Pure Land faith uh, go in through the other end of the tunnel, and eventually they meet in the middle. So even the Zenists have to find faith, and the Pure Land people find the just sitting. But it is an act of faith when you think of it. And those of you who um, were with Reverend Master years ago, we would often, um, if we felt that we were not doing very well in our training or we didn't have much faith, she would say, well, you have faith that you're going to wake up in the morning, don't you? (laughs) And uh, so, again, you know, it's very practical. We do have much more faith than we are aware of. We just have to trust that and, um, and let it take its course within us. From my perspective, the laws of the universe, in fact, work in our favor, at least that the favor of who we really are. And they simply are, of course. And we're wholly a part of these laws. We often think of ourselves as separate from the laws of nature and the laws of the universe. But it bears studying them in some detail. For example, through training ourselves, we've just talked a little about the impermanence and how that works and helps us to let go. Um, Through training ourselves out of the addictions, our addictions to greed, anger, and delusion. And that expression is from Reverend Master Daisui in his book, Buddhism from Within. Um, And I'm rather finding that helpful, how addicted we are. They actually are addictions to one degree or another. Um, Greed, anger, and delusion. But through training ourselves out of these, we come to know for ourselves something of the workings of the law of karma. These laws will not be real for us unless we do the practice and experience them for ourselves. So, for example, um, dealing with anger, when we're willing to sit still even for a moment, and a second for even, actually, in my experience, Um, even for a moment with an impulse to anger, which, you know, when we do that, we may begin to see that we have these sort of, what I think of as default positions in our reactions to things, you know. But as you go on in training, you begin to see, oh, I don't have to do that. I don't think I want to go that way anymore. Now, it can be challenging to not do that, but to just sit still with it for even a moment, that impulse, um, And again, even though it seems perfectly normal by worldly standards to go there, even if it's just a thought, we begin to get a glimmer of how the law of karma works, how we can change the future uh, trajectory of our our lives, of our karma, for the better. And certainly, um, it's you know, I think as we go on in training, we see those little choices much more often. To me, that's a great encouragement of faith, and. and, and again, also just, okay, this is what the Buddha taught. This is what I'm going to do. It doesn't always feel great, but that's what I'm going to do. And that's a statement of faith and an act of faith right there. So very much a practice. And this happens on a collective level. If we're worrying about what's happening in the world, I think it's, it's just doing our practice, you know, uh, trusting the law of karma. There's a, 
I won't go into too much of this, but there's a little passage in here. I'll read you this book on karma. It's, it's very dense, but there are some very interesting uh, perspectives in here. This um, person is um, giving some clarification on the Buddhist, Buddhist meaning of the law of karma. So without giving you all the background here, he says, karma actually makes more sense when we include the collective nature of it as it underscores the interconnectedness of our karmic way of life. If one person's karma and another's are connected, it follows that a group of associated people will engender group karma. One of the you know benefits of the Sangha, right? He goes on to say, we already believe this in the West, in fact, because um, he's talking about traditional Buddhist views. For instance, when a huge mass of people becomes negative, we believe they, that they are practically taken over mentally by mass hysteria and that great harm and destruction can be done in this state. We have many examples in the you know, history of our, the last century, right? Even so, we do not seem to think that it could work the other way around in a positive way, even though it makes no sense at all for it to work one way and not the other. If we believe in such things as mass hysteria, then we obviously affirm the capacity of people joining together mentally, their minds becoming one in a sense. If this is possible for negative mentalities, it should also be possible for it to happen in order to create something positive. You're following me? Indeed, the effects should be even more potent. Unfortunately, our tendency is often to believe in the negative way of behaving in whatever form, individually or collectively. And, you know, often our news tends to emphasize that aspect of things, right? On the individual level, we think, I'm just one person, what can I do? What effect is that going to have? And collectively, we also think, oh, doing this is just a waste of time. How is it going to make any difference? But the Buddhists, as a Buddhist, we we don't go in that direction, right? Again, studying the law of karma, very important, but first, seeing how it works in your own life, seeing how differently um, your future is, even the next hour, once you make... um, that choice to not indulge anger, for example. It may, it may be there in the background, but you know with experience that it's going to die out eventually and, and you're going to be able to let it go. And you can know from your experience. So I think uh, an aspect of faith and cultivating faith is really trusting our own experience of our training. And I don't think we do that nearly enough. I know I have to work on that. Of course, this has nothing to do with political parties or particular opinions or points of view. This has to do with following the precepts, of course. That's what really does um, help us to let go of negative karmic impulses, what makes that difference, what really becomes a potent positive force in the world and for ourselves. And another little little quote that has been such an encouragement to me here is from the... Um, the scripture of the Buddha's last teachings, which we usually recite around the time of the Buddha's Parinibbana in February, is full of wonderful jewels, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and here the Buddha is talking about 
Um, let's see if I can find it now. All right. Contentment. But uh, let's see. Oh, here we go. Okay. Yeah. Practicing with a diligent heart, of course, not wasting time, and so on. Um, this is always the thing about marking things in your book. Do I have the right place? Oh, here it is, yes. Okay. He um, talks about the evasiveness of this discriminatory mind, and so on. It's like a crazed elephant without any restraint. So this has more to do perhaps with the impulse to greed, but any, any of the poisons, greed, anger, or delusion. It's like a crazed elephant without any restraints, or like a monkey who has taken to the trees and prances about, leaping and jumping. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. This is why we meditate. Only difficulties and suffering can constrain it. You should hasten to dampen its ardor and not give it license to be indulgent. For someone who indulges his mind loses his good practices, loses his faith. But here's what I found really encouraging. Govern it in a single situation and there will be not, not be any affair you will be unable to manage. I'll say that again. Govern it in a single situation and there will not be any affair you will be unable to manage. Therefore, he's talking to his monks, O oh monks, you should be diligent and skillfully progress by bending that discriminatory mind of yours to submission. So you see this, this theme coming up a lot of not getting into the opposites and how we fall into greed, anger, and delusion by believing in the opposites. But... Uh, I think this is such an encouraging statement and also supporting the way the law of karma works. Uh, Because once you've done that once, you can never be as if it's never happened. You know that it's possible and you can come back to it. Even if you trip up now and then, you will come back to it eventually. Govern it in a single situation and there will not be any affair you will be unable to manage. So, having faith... Well, I'm going to end with a quote from Reverend Master G. Of course, you, most of you have perhaps seen this little booklet, The Introduction to Our Tradition, Serene Reflection, Meditation, Tradition. And Reverend Master, there's a lovely article in here called Perfect Faith, which is actually a transcription of a talk that Reverend Master G. gave many years ago um, during a retreat on uh, Great Master Kazan's teachings. And I'll just give you some of her teaching here. An article I find myself rereading from time to time. Perfect faith is always changing and always the same, always interesting and always joyful, never seeing an opposite because it has indeed gone beyond opposites. Opposites can only exist when we have not yet transcended them. When they have been transcended, every day is a good day, as Great Master Kazan says, and all work is the work of the Buddha. At this time, there is no such thing as good and bad, like and dislike. 
There is only the positivity that goes beyond underlined these opposites. Remember also that it is a positivity that does not require positivity. We're not going around, what's wrong with you? You're not very positive, obviously. It's a positivity that does not require positivity, a truth that does not insist upon truth. It is a love that does not insist upon being loved, but loves for the sake of loving. This is why we should be very careful of not judging ourselves. Since the Lord of the house does not judge us, why are we so stupid as to live within the opposites and judge ourselves? We need to have a faith that does not insist upon faith. This is what a true master must teach. And a lot of this article has to do also with um, the appropriateness, the appropriate master-disciple relationship. So there you have it. I know yesterday I spent a fair bit of time worrying about not being prepared for this talk and not finding time to do it because I was very busy and a number of unexpected things came up. And, and fortunately, a little bit of faith crept in there and said, you know, this is your preparation for your talk right here. Um, just living and letting go, you know. So going back to the blossoms, to the, the poem at the beginning, just have faith. Do not the blossoms scatter, even so. And those blossoms in Buddhism, um, when we, the scattering of blossoms is also an expression of sangha, of recognizing what we need to let go of, what we need to convert. So perhaps when we see the blossoms scattering, the leaves falling and scattering, we can be inspired to faith. Thank you.